KEIB AM 1150. This is The Patriot with Johnny Wendell at Southern California Live. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to you. Not saying anything about it in case you're taping. We have with us the great and legendary and powerful Oz. No, not Oz. Uh, Johnny Venom, who is a economist and philosopher from Chicago, Illinois. A man who has an incredibly unique perspective having been dropped on his head as a child at least a dozen times. Welcome back to The Patriot, Mr. Venom. Let's not forget the use of hammers on me. All right, it's, it's, or MC Hammer on you, because you were too legit to quit. There you go. There we go. Sir, Los Angeles' homeless situation is dire. It has surged 75% in six years, but it has been, quote, according to Gail Holland, my, one of my former editors, by the way, who is now at the L.A. Times, she says... Uh, it's decades in the making. As many as 20 people take to the city hall lawn across the street from LAPD headquarters to escape the madness and that there are roughly 55,000 homeless people, including Glendale, Pasadena, and Long Beach. That would be almost 60,000. Three out of four homeless people live in cars, campers, tents, and lean-tos. The, far, the biggest number of homeless people in any city in America. All right. And the problem has only gotten worse since Garcetti took office in 2013 and a liberal Democratic supermajority has emerged in 2016. Um, One would think, Mr. Venom, uh, given uh, that homelessness and low-cost public housing tends to be a priority for so-called Democratic liberals, that the problem would have gotten better but not worse. In fact, it's gotten worse. Is this the is the problem, Mr. Venom, democratic liberalism, uh, Eric Garcetti's love affair with developers, not enough money, not enough space, or a combination of all of those? Go Venom. I don't think it's the ideology because I mean, you have democratic places where they're fixing it, or at least they're trying, like in New York City. Right. You also have conservative mayors, like in Utah and Salt Lake City. Right. So I think it's more of a matter of competence than political ideology. And I mean by competence, I don't. Ju- I'm not saying that the mayor's an idiot. I'm saying. Oh, oh, that- oh, by the way, feel free to do so on this show. <laughs> <All right>. Well, <laughs> we're we're not exactly is- gigantic fans of Gil Garcetti's kid, but anyway, go ahead. I understand, but I, it's more of in terms of competence and grasping the situation and really trying to be effective. Okay. And this this issue is too big for even this mayor, for even the city government at this point. You, you, the, you see, homelessness they they look they look at it as a monolith. Right. And it isn't. There's, no. there's really three different homeless problems. Go ahead. There's the part, the large, I think, the ever increasing part, which is homes are not or residential areas are simply priced out of the market for first. so many. Yep, that's first. Okay, I think that's the fastest growing. Then, of course, you have the classic mental uh, people with mental health who were kicked out of institutions who are roaming the streets. Okay, there is that. Yes, that's true. And then you have, of course, folks, the third one, which is basically folks who either don't want to be, have a home, or they have a drug addict problem, or what have you. Right. They, all, they sort of fall under the rubric of the second one, but yes. Right. Okay. So, okay, yeah, so right, the, the most fixable one yeah. is that first one we mentioned. Right. And that's the, and he's trying to do a catch-all for all, when in fact, you can't. He should basically realize 
that last part we mentioned should be held off and focus on making affordable housing. Now, the problem here is where I see the competence is he's not dealing with, with, with the bureaucracy properly. Basically, him and his cohort should realize the system they have in place for approval. Right. Or dealing with the neighborhoods. Right. Like the neighborhoods themselves. Yeah. They should, they should be eliminated. Okay. But there's a whole, the whole process, and they should just start from the ground up. Unfortunately, nobody wants to tackle that. Okay, but if you're talking L.A. County in general, and there are about 60,000 people with nowhere to live. Right. You are talking about the creation of twenty to 25,000 housing units fast. There are a few issues here that don't exist. You, you, you mentioned New York and you mentioned Salt Lake City. First of all, Salt Lake City is a small city, and, they, and the whole state of Utah is 2,000 homeless people. I understand. I okay. know the numbers are different. All right. New, and New York City. Sales different. New York City is a different situation also because New York City does not sit on fault lines. Okay. No, so, so yeah. all right. That's irrelevant, though. No, it, it does bear some relevancy here because you have to have homes that are built up to seismic code lest you get a, a four and a half or five tembler, which yeah, isn't which isn't that much, and then it knocks everything down. I mean, you know, we saw seen this happen in, in the Middle East. Johnny, all homes in the, in the L.A. area for the past 40 years have with that in there, built in there, okay? They, they're just not going to say, we're going to build it without taking that into consideration. I understand that. Made. I understand that, but you're talking about pushing up units really, really quickly. You well, have you seismic could, code issues. Well, you can, yeah, well, listen, you can include the seismic code and not have like an 18-month delay just for one portion of the, the, the approval process. Right. Okay, look at it this way. You could right now go into these L.A. school districts that have a lot of unused property. Yes, we've talked about this before. Them. Sure. There are approximately 34 potential dead malls in the L.A. area. In the Southland area as a whole. Okay. Okay, but there's a lot of active good shopping malls, but there's a lot of that are on the wane. Okay, but then I'll stop you right there. I know where these malls are, in as much as I do live in Los Angeles, and I have to tell you that you would be dealing with NIMBY up the Y-I-N-G-Y-A-N-G, if you catch my drift there. There are, there are people, for example, I know that we have not too far from us the Eagle Rock Mall. All right, and uh, and there are malls in Glendale and Burbank that are that nobody goes to anymore. If you were to say, let's put fifteen to twenty story tower blocks, like they have in in London for for low cost housing in, in England, right? You would have the surrounding neighbors wigging out over any high rises, wrecking their precious view, as well as armies of people with mental issues, drug and alcohol issues, long commutes, uh, the issues of, of, of battered family members. They don't want that stuff in their neighborhoods because it, we're talking 2018. They're paying out the was to live in what used to be relatively inexpensive neighborhoods. Now you're going to make these neighborhoods uh, ghetto-y again, and people don't want that. That's what they associate massive amounts of homeless people with, John. That is a serious issue here. You can claim it's not. You can claim it's like, well, you know, you just tell them, you know, suck it up. There's no difference no, no, between no, them no, and no, you. No. That's not how people are going to react. No, 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 no. You misunderstood. I see. I okay. did. Go ahead. You could convert 
these malls and the marketing on this, the promotion of this is not, oh, we're going to just take any, it's, again, you're taking a monolithic view. Right. I'm saying okay. you take some of these properties and you flat out say up front, this is not going for the mentally ill. This is not going for the drug. Is anything like that. These are going to be homes that are going to be for people who could not afford, who can pay rent. Understood. Understood. You're talking of, yes, you're talking about 75% of the homeless, but a quarter of the homeless, that's about 12,500 people, do fall under the issue of not taking care of themselves. Johnny, hang on through the break, will you? Yes. Southern California Live with Wendell. This is The Patriot. We shall return. Southern California Live with Wendell at The Patriot. KEIB AM 1150, welcome back to Super Bowl Sunday, saying nothing, as you may be taping, and I am not a killjoy. Uh, speaking of such things, Johnny Venom uh, rejoins us, and we <laughs> that was kind of a horrible left-handed knock, wasn't it? Well, you know what? Yeah. Takes one to know one. Yeah, that's true. You know, believe me. I've, I've killed enough joy in my life. I'm a walking pillar of salt, Peter. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Venom. Yes, Mr. Salty. <laughs> Uncle Salty to you, Aerosmith, okay, 1973. Uh, L.A. is near the bottom in sheltering homelessness. We've been talking about the homeless situation and its, its would-be solutions in the, in the last segment. Now we're talking yeah. about the fact of the matter is, is we have put this off pushed it aside, not wanted to talk about it, look the other way, since 1975. Okay, there's 43 years we have been kicking this can down the road. There ain't no more road. There ain't no more can, Mr. Venom. Compared to other cities, we are near the bottom. In fact, the only other city in California that's worse than we are with homeless people is San Luis Obispo, which is a tiny little resort town way up the coast. So we're not doing very, very well, sir. What would no, you say? Su- containment policy on Skid Row has failed. Oh, completely. You know, and it has existed since 1975. This is, is ridiculous. Um, the encampment issue, and, and for those of us who may not see this as they go about their business every day, every overpass in Southern California is a would-be shelter, even though it doesn't rain very often. It is still a wet would-be shelter. This has been going on for over 35 years. Okay, ever since, the, ever since the institutions opened their doors and uh, President Reagan decided to liberate people that were incapable of taking care of themselves, um, we've had this issue in Southern California. Mostly it was down by the beaches. It was a Venice, Santa Monica, Mar Vista issue. Now it is everywhere. We are at the absolute bottom. We kind of come up with homes for 55,000 to 60,000 people in Los Angeles County. I have a question for you, Mr. Venom. Yes, sir. We talk about the idea of converting the railway yards in downtown L.A., probably because in our heads it's proximitous to Skid Row. People would only be moving within a half mile, a mile, a mile and a half of where they tend to kip ordinarily. But wouldn't it make a lot more sense if you were going to build new homes for people that don't have homes and they could theoretically be part of an experiment of people working from home as opposed to commuting, that it might be a better bet to make a lot of these encampments out in Antelope Valley, in Palmdale or Lancaster, where real estate is a lot cheaper and where it still hasn't completely recovered from the last 
dive in prices 10 years ago. Would this, would, that, would this work or would homeless people who are used to living in downtown L.A. or by the beach just say, you are not putting me up in Antelope Valley, I ain't going? Well, then, uh, you're talking about asking some very hard questions here. All right, well, let's and have some hard answers then. I think when you reach a point where those folks don't want to help themselves, yeah, you know, do they forfeit some rights then if they become a burden to society? Let's yeah, but honest. then, okay, you say forfeit some rights, become a burden to society, then you incarcerate them, and it costs three times as much as, no, as no, them having no, a place no, no, to no. live. And quit, quit doing that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting about... words in your mouth. I'm just derailing you. Go ahead. Look, yeah. if you want to put them there, you're going to either have to force them to go there or, or... You have to find a way to remove them. Yeah, like I said, good that luck. Failed. Good luck. Good luck with that. The United States has a constitution. You can live anywhere you want to live. I know, and that's why I said these are hard questions. Yes, that's right. Okay, I think what you're going to have to do, and it goes back to our previous segment, is you're going to have to first deal with the more easier part of the homeless situation, which is people who can work, right? Who are working, right? But because of rents, they got nowhere to go. They live in their cars. Or they live, they in, live the in their car. If you can take care of that. Right. The rest is a little bit more manageable All because right. the folks who are able to work and, like you said, are in the car, they're able to recontribute back to the tax base that gives the city and municipality funding they desperately need to deal with these other situations. And now, you mentioned an area where, right? Well, what you could do is actually do what they do in Asia and in Europe, which is have a public housing estate. We now, do. We do. We are also getting into the issue of of the little mini houses are now being bandied about as an idea. Right. Okay. But I I I prefer to look. I look at it like this. Right. A developer looks at those big old railway yards between East Los and downtown. Right. And they the dollar signs go up in their heads. They're all excited. On the other hand, if the city of Los Angeles said we're sorry. This time, you're going to have to cooperate with the city entirely. We can't, we can't have nothing but upper-class, wealthy new units here. There aren't enough of you people, and besides, we got to place 55,000 people somewhere. You're going to—we realize that you tend to get everything that you want, all right? That is the nature of wealth, okay, is that you do tend to get what you want if you have a lot of money. But— at this point, for the good of the entire city and county, you're going to have to deal with the issue of this land is more important to the city of Los Angeles if it takes people off the street. And that, and that means that Garcetti is going to have to grow a pair, and that means that Garcetti is going to have to tell developers who he loves more. He loves more than like a little kid loves cocoa on a sub-zero day. All right. He's going to have to tell them, I'm sorry, this time I can't help you out. That's the, that's the issue. Is, which is why yeah. we're going to have to develop a public housing estate. And you're going to say to them, no luxury condos, no luxury units. We want to hire you to build these units. Right. And we're going to, but it'll be probably either owned by a nonprofit public entity or you're going to say, listen, if you want to develop here, it can only be for a certain income level. Also, remember, but what you are saying is also tells developers, if you say, well, we can have mixed-use units, developers answer with, I can't get no freaking millionaire to live in a high-rise where he has to walk past people who live on the first 10 floors that don't have any money. It's like millionaires aren't going to live that way. 
Okay, they, 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 think to, they think to themselves, one of these days, these, these suckers are going to corner me in the laundry room and shank me. It's like, I don't want that. JW, this is why you have to focus on a public housing, because at the end of the day, these folks who build these properties will, go, will give you this kind of opposition. I understand just, that. You know, just go ahead and start a public housing, rent to own, you know, for, again, folks who can afford this, and then... We move on where we can have for these other housing for these folks who fall within the cracks. Okay. Thanks for this, Johnny. We will move to another segment. Our time, this first two segments, is up. Southern California Live with Wendell. We shall return. Stay tuned. Southern California Live with Wendell on Super Bowl Sunday here at the Patriot. Not saying nothing as I recognize that people tape and when people spill the beans and wreck my taping, my BP through, goes through the roof. I feel you on this one, so I'm not saying anything about the game. Joining me for the next two segments, as he did for the last two, is Mr. Johnny Venom, our frequent guest. Not a frequent flyer, though. He's been banned from every airline on the, on the planet. But he does it's join one us. One wrong cocktail, and my God, <laughs> you're on the TSA list. You know, the, the fact that you believed that you were Leslie Nielsen for a minute probably had something to do with that. Surely it they did. Let me fly the plane. <laughs> uh, these things happen. So, sir, yes. before you were born, and when I was uh, a, a mite in junior high school, that for for those who now don't know what that is, junior high school is middle school. Uh, the the band Three Dog Night had a hit with the song "One Is the Loneliest Number." It was written by Harry Nilsson. Okay, the late Harry yeah. Nilsson. And uh, it was a huge hit for one, Three Dog Night. I believe it may have been one of their first hits. It might have been their first number one, ironically enough. But one is not really the loneliest number uh, in California, Johnny. The loneliest number in California is to be a Republican in 2018. And the yeah. connection between that song and the Republican Party, boy, I, I'm patting myself on the back for that one. You got to admit, as 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 Shaggy Dog analogies go, that was pretty good, huh? It's right up there in your top ten. Okay, thanks a lot. I mean, because if you'd said no, I would have hung up on you, and you know it. So, uh, that being said, uh, we have a Senate race this year. We got a governor's race this year in 2018, and they are not looking very well for the GOP. Um, fact of the matter is, is in California, we have a, a primary system where the top two finishers, whoever they are in whatever party they are, are the ones that run against each other. They're on the ballot and yeah. the U S Senate race this year, more likely than not, excuse me, <coughs> uh, incumbent Diane Feinstein will be challenged by a Democrat, not by a Republican. Okay, uh, Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon, okay, is likely to be running against Feinstein. And uh, DeLeon is sort of a Bernie Sanders type liberal. Diane Feinstein is the Hillary Clinton type centrist. Although Feinstein, in the last four months or so, I wouldn't say she has moved to the left as much as she has become very vocal in her resistance to the Trump administration, and this has endeared her considerably to people that were very skeptical about her before, because she tends to be very conservative on economic issues. De Leon is, is Bernie the second. 
Okay. The fact is, though, is Republicans running for the Senate, I don't even know who they are. Okay. So we will go to the gubernatorial race, which, you know, Moonbeam Brown, he's termed out. Okay. And, be- that- and, and besides, you know, he's pushing 96 at this point. He's, he's not going to run again. He couldn't okay, run again if, if, he, he if, if he were governor. He'd look like Palpatine from Star Wars. Oh, right. Yeah. No, he or, or Prune Patine. <laughs> uh, that, that being said, the, the Republicans are fielding three candidates for governor. Uh, uh, Travis Allen, who is an Orange County Assemblyman. Uh, John Cox, who's a businessman. And former U.S. Rep. Doug Ose. He's from up north. Ose uh, is, I could be Ose, but I believe it's Ose. Um, Ose is sort of uh, the Harold Stassen of California politics. You understand that reference. He's always running. He's always running. Yeah, he's always in it. Uh, Cox is a businessman who stuck his foot in his mouth in the first gubernatorial debate when he suggested that in order to alleviate a severe labor shortage in California that we have or reinstate a guest worker program, which is one of those ideas now which is not popular with either the right or the left. Nobody likes that one anymore. Okay, the right dislikes it because they see it as amnesty and the left dislikes it because they know that this is a way of funneling loads and loads of cheap labor into the Central Valley that are people that can't vote have no rights, use up infrastructure without paying for it. It's it's just a bad thing. Nobody likes that stuff. It's a Pete Wilson. It's a loser all around. It's a loser all around. It was one of Pete Wilson's pets. He loved that idea, and Pete Wilson is the persona not grata. Okay. okay. The other Republican is the hardcore conservative. He's Travis Allen. Unfortunately for Mr. Allen, he is one of, I believe, three or four California legislatures. He and I think three other, the other three are Democrats. It might be another Republican and two Democrats. All four of them are in deep you-know-what for sexual harassment that has come out. He's, he's in trouble for that. So that's, and he also have his, he has a tendency to talk before he thinks. Okay, so I don't see any of these three likely to pull more votes than Newsom, Chang, Villaraigosa. And so it's likely that the top two are going to be Democrats. Uh, that being said, Mr. Venom, here is a question for you. Okay. You're a Democratic Party strategist. You figure the next governor is going to be a Democrat. The next senator is going to be a Democrat. Republicans aren't even going to mount serious challenges if they're even on the ballot because of the primary system. Also, Trump did so much worse than McCain and Romney did here that you're talking about a statewide party that is seriously damaged, okay? And, and Trump is still going to be president of the United States in November, probably. So this is, this is not a help in California. If you're, if you're a Republican strategist and you're defending the 14 Republican congressmen in California, that is your priority, not to hemorrhage too many of those seats, true? Yeah, I would be expecting to lose... Maybe about 25% of them can say, well, actually, they've already lost like 12% of them, considering how many retirements you got going on there. I would be looking to try and keep, for example, some high-profile ones, McCarthy, Nunez. Well, McCarthy is safe. I think there are four Republicans who are fairly safe. McCarthy is one of them. LaMalta, who is up north, he's another right. one. 
McClintock is another. And there's a fourth one who's named, oh, Paul Cook, uh, right. who's in, who's in Riverside. Inland. They're, yeah, they're, they're inland. Out. They're inland. Okay. Yeah, uh, they're all inland. Duncan Hunter Jr. would theoretically be safe. He's He is in, in San Diego County, but he has criminal issues pending. He's in, in a red district, but he's in a lot of trouble. And uh, also that his district is starting to trend Democratic. So he's he has trouble. Daryl I- Daryl I- is retiring. Rohrbacher is in a lot of trouble. Um, we got to take a break. When we come back, if I was a Democratic strategist, what I would do to knock all 14 of them out. I, Johnny, you're going to want to hear this. You ready? You ready? Yep. All right. Let's 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 take a break and stay tuned. Southern California Live with Wendell at KEIB. We will return. Southern California Live with Wendell on the Patriot KEIB AM 1150 Super Bowl Sunday. It is if you're taping. Our lips are sealed. I'm not going to say anything because I know how much that screws with your head. Uh, Johnny Venom and I are here. We are talking about the tough road ahead for the Republican Party in California. They are outnumbered. It's the Alamo or Little Bighorn for them in the midterms. But if I, I was, as I said in the last segment, Johnny, if I was a Democratic strategist, you figure you got the governor's office, you figure you've got the Senate. You're going to pick up some assembly and legislature seats. It's demographics being what they are. Old white folks are dying. They're being replaced in the electorate by Latinos and Asians tend to be Democrats. That's just a fact of life. So, but if I'm a democratic strategist, I look at California's 14 Republicans in Congress and I'm thinking we need 23 to take the house back. We can theoretically get 11 of them in California. I think three of them are absolutely safe. McCarthy, and LaMalta and McClintock are safe. They're all facing challenges, but I think the other 11 are not. And Johnny, if I'm a Democratic Party strategist, especially in Devin Nunez's district, Paul Cook's district, anything that's inland, one thing that the Republican Party has has been able to do to hold on to those seats is to convince the middle class and the working class the reason that we have water shortages are those tree-hugging freaking liberals in Sacramento. They, you know, they will not let us open up the spigots, okay? It isn't true. Fact of the matter is is that we farm inefficiently in the Central Valley. It's basically the desert. What do you expect? If I'm the Democratic Party, if I'm uh, Andrew Jans, he's the Democrat who's running against Devin Nunez, and Nunez and he are almost tied in polls. Nunez is making a fool of himself with this memo stuff, right? Right. It's, it's actually revealing that the FBI are on to something. Yeah, I know. He's he's the, the problem with a st- with a story like this is Nunez figures I can turn anything into a gotcha because you know my my people will believe me, they love me. But the thing is, is the longer a story evolves, the people hear this and they go. Oh, so the FBI was actually following a Russian convert, a spy, Carter Page. This memo is actually is ridiculous. You know, they had a right to do what they did. Okay, that being said, and and Jans is putting up billboards all over the district saying, you know, let's get this guy out of office. You know, he's not a patriotic American. If if I were Jans, I would say. We need an infrastructure program in California that includes desalination of water, and that water comes up here. We need a pipeline from the Pacific of clean water into this valley. We can't make it rain. Uh, We can't 
ration water enough to keep up our standard of living. It's going to have to come out of the ocean. Let's do what Israel does. You know, we don't necessarily have to drink the stuff, but it is, it, we, it, it can save our crops. And there you go. It's like yeah. You are going to face a drought. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have had a crap winter this year as far as rain goes. Unless we get bailed out in February, we're screwed. Okay. So uh, let me ask you, if you're a Democratic strategist, you go to Andrew Jans and say, make this priority one. Pin Nunez to the idea of you've been in Congress forever. Where's the water? You complain about the Democrats and the tree huggers in San Sacramento. We don't care about that anymore. Where's the water? I, I would push it like this, too. I'm going to be working for the farmers, not the not Donald Trump. Yeah, and with the irony, so the, 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 irony the, uh, the irony, of course, is that the Jans has already insulted Nunez for being a farmer, you know. But th- that being said, and Nunez was a dairy farmer, you know. The, the irony is, is that he's trying to milk this well, memo for all his own time. Yeah. So, I, I, but it's the truth. He's, still, he's done more to help out Donald Trump than he has his own constituency. Oh, completely. You know, and, and I am at a loss to figure out what he's thinking. Because Nunez can do math like anybody else, and he probably sees it is going to be really difficult for us to hold on to the House of Representatives this year. I think he wants a cabinet seat. He, he may. But, I mean, look, when Trey Gowdy walks, when Ed Royce walks, when Bob Goodlatte walks, all of these guys, you know, when, when Daryl Issa walks, these guys are powerful in Congress, and they're out of there, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Nunez retired. This is, I'm not running for re-election in 2018 after all is said and done. He looks at the polls and he says, Jans is within four or five points of me. I'm going to have to go back to the district. I'm going to have to shake hands, walk the streets. I'll be dealing with protesters constantly. He doesn't it's, questions. Yeah, he doesn't pe- want people want to know, what is, we don't care about this memo, Michigas. Where's the water? Why did you vote for my taxes to go up? He doesn't want to have to face people. He wants to sit in Washington, have his safely gerrymandered district, although in California we don't really have that, and not have to face the voters. You know, I, I, I suspect that he may decide to just opt for the easy way out. You know, uh, I, I've been a, been a good soldier for Trump. Trump can make me Secretary of the Interior or Undersecretary of the Interior. or He can make, give me a judgeship somewhere, my little satrap where I don't have to face voters anymore. Uh, you know, or, yeah. or or he puts it, or I get I get a job in a think tank or for Fox News or something. That's what I want. I don't want to have to go back to Visalia or Fresno or Clovis and face people who are looking at me, going, "What happened to my deductions, pal? They're gone." Okay, I don't like this. I or I I got a six hundred acre farm. We don't have enough water. This comes up every year. You haven't. Ha- You're a farmer, Devin. Where's my help? I'm not interested in your excuses. I want water. All right. He doesn't want to have to do that. No. Nope. He's going to have to answer why he voted for something that took away the fire protection. Right. Whereas, whereas more Republican states got their flood protection. Of course. Or, or the cost for rebuilding, I should say, the deductions and stuff. Well, look, where? I mean, why I mean, did they? Look, you, look, you're a blue state Republican. You get tired after a while of the excuse of why is it that all of this money is going to Mississippi and Alabama and West Virginia and Oklahoma? It's like, it's my money. Why, why don't I get anything for it? Eventually, and, and you get the, this excuse back, well, you don't have to live in a blue state. The answer is, I lived here my whole life. So did my father. So did my grandfather. So my great-grandfather, don't you tell me to move. 
It's like you're, you're my representative. Stand up for me. I am sick and tired of, of you playing s- silly politics and I never win anything. You know? Are you working for my congressional district or are you working for Washington, D.C.? And you know what? This is the same thing that happened with, um, oh, what was the name of that guy? He was but in Virginia. He ended up losing the brat in the primary. Eric, Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor. I mean, that was the same. It's the same thing. Only this time he should be replaced by a Democrat. Yeah. This is a primary, well, but it's the same charge. Sure. I mean, what did, what did Brat do when he was facing Cantor? He said, this guy is never in the district. You know, when you talk about Virginia in 2017, you had a, a transgender candidate beating an evangelical candidate in a deep red district. How did she do it? She put up signs all over the district, save Route 28, fill potholes. Republican can't fight with that. People right do, people, people, people drive on that road every day. That's what they care about. Johnny, thanks so much. We'll talk to you later. Southern California Live with Wendell, the Patriots. See you later.